She did 12 marathons in 12 days for Victoria Hospital's foundation, um, which is amazing. What made you want to do this? So I had a bunch of vacation time that... Uh... <laughs> Welcome to the middle of May. I am excited. I say every week that the weather's getting better, and now it is because it's middle of May. Like, we made it through the terrible winter pandemic. And I know if you're in the States, you've probably been normal for longer than us, but uh, we up here in Canada had a hard time. Things went a little haywire. So I am almost two weeks out of my vaccine, which means I'm invincible, right? Um, so I'm just so excited to get back to real life and feel normal. And I know we are far away from that, but at least there is an end in sight. And yeah, we don't have any races up here. So might be a summer of FKTs again. So looking into some ideas for that, but you know, what are you gonna do? Today's guest is Yana, and she has decided to run 30 marathons in 30 days. And today she will be on marathon 13. So my suggestion to you is to go check her out on Instagram at yhempler, Y-H-E-M-P-L-E-R, uh, and see how she is doing middle of the races. So she is doing, fundraiser for Victoria Hospitals. So if you go to our Vic Hospitals or just to um, Yana's Instagram, you can find the charity link in her bio if you want to support or share whatever you want to do. I think that's going to be pretty sweet. Um, she's from Russia. She is really, really fun. You're going to love hearing from her. Um, she didn't like running at all as a kid and she talked about the difference running in Russia and then getting to um, BC and what it was like here. She definitely just likes to go for it, whatever the distance or the challenge be. We had a lot of fun discussing 24 hour events, six hour, sorry, six day events, um, improving your 10K time, which I like. I like when people just have a huge variety of things. And she has a really fun accent, which I really like. So you guys are gonna love Yana. She's just so positive, so fun. Um, she does a lot of writing. Her writing's fantastic. Her Instagram, her website, all of these will be linked into the show notes. So you're sure to find her very inspiring. So now I just want to take a second to thank today's sponsor, Gooder Sunglasses, G-O-O-D-R.com backslash D-R-W. You need sunglasses um, because it's almost summertime and the sun is out. So they are not expensive. They don't cost over $100, they're like 25 US. And if you use the discount code TRW15, you're gonna get 15% off. If you're in Canada and you get a few pairs, you get free shipping, you don't have to pay duties if you stay under the right amount and you still get the discount. So it's actually less expensive than buying from the Canadian site, which is amazing. And if you're in the States, you can buy as many as you want for that 15% off. So, I mean, it's a win-win no matter where you're from. They're fun, fashionable, functional, and portable. I, Go check out, uh, I'm just double checking this, gooder.com backslash TRW to see my favorite ones. And again, I'll say a hundred million times over, I can go for a jog. They don't slip, they don't bounce. They're all polarized. They're so much fun. I can see where I'm running and I have my tiny nose that sweats like a lot, extra, extra sweaty, tiny nose, and it does not fall off my face. So everybody who is getting them, not everybody, a lot of you have tagged me in your Instagram stories Hill Sport 55, so I can see the shades that you decided to wear. So please, 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 take me. Um, what else can I say? I think I wanted to say that I have two spots left for coaching 
that people had races already and now they're taking a little break and I'm so stoked for them. So if you are looking for a, a race, <clears throat> and now I'm gonna cough, oh, this is going well. If you're looking for a coach to get faster, to do FKTs, to do your first 50K, we've got some spots, so find me. Reach out on Instagram is probably the easiest way that we can get the conversation going, hillsport55. Um, that's it, I'll leave you guys with that for now. Enjoy your summer. All right, I'm here this evening to chat with Yana Hempler, who was a recommendation from a mutual friend, Brittany, who everybody loved her episode, and I really trust who she recommends. So I looked on your Instagram, and I got a brief bio from you. You've done some amazing things, and I'm so excited to get into all of them. So welcome to the show, Yana. Thank you so much for having me. It's a huge honor to be a part of your show. Oh, that's so nice. And already, like, just we were chatting before we started recording, you have such a great energy. I just feel like this is going to be a really good episode, so I'm excited. So to start, why don't you just give us an intro on where you're from and how old you are and where you're living now? Right. So originally, like many, 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 many years ago, I moved to Canada from Russia. But I've been in Canada now for 20 years. I'm now 31 years old. I keep I almost said 30, but I'm actually 31 because I just had a birthday not too long ago. <laughs> and I've been running since high school. And when I originally started running, I actually hated running and it was uh, and it was very, very difficult. So I'm actually really happy that I'm still at it now more so than ever. And I'm currently living in British Columbia, Victoria, which is the only place in Canada that doesn't have any snow in the winter. So you can literally run all year. And I'm super excited about that. And if it's up to me, then I will never move again. And what, what brought you to Victoria? University. I got a full-time scholarship for the Bachelor of Commerce program. So they paid for a lot of my tuition. So I decided to come here and... Then I decided to stay because I fell in love with the weather. Oh, yeah, that happens a lot. Even people from Eastern Canada, I think they come here and they fall in love with the weather and just the terrain and that it's like a city, but it's not crazy busy, right? Exactly. So it's not as stressful as, say, Vancouver or Calgary or Edmonton or Toronto, but you get like the city feel without all the stress of being in the city. So I think it's interesting, and if you've listened to any of our uh, of our episodes, it's always a theme, especially with runners who are very good now in their adult years, who hated running, and I, like in brackets you said, an exercise in general as a kid. Do you have any, like now that you think back on it, any reason why you hated it or had a negative relationship with exercise in general? Well, I mean, back when I was in Russia and we had to do running, it was always timed we were always compared against each other and it was always about oh you got to do it this fast or you fail so it kind of gave me this attitude towards running where it's like if I'm not good at it then I don't belong to be running you know what I mean so that it's that running is that I shouldn't be running because I'm slower than the other kids which I was because I hated running and I'd get a side stitch, so then I'd have to stop after every 500 meters to take a walking break. And of course, you know, the teacher, they didn't like that very much over there because, you know, they always expect the best of the best from people. But it's to the point where 
it's uh, it's not just expecting the best. It's like they expect so much more than just the best to the point where it makes it not as fun and it takes all the joy out of it. So it's that type of competition. That's really interesting because there's definitely like documentaries on other sports where they sort of have that same effect, right? Um, do you feel like that's different towards kids or would you have any way of measuring that over here? Is it a different attitude? I felt like here, I mean, when I actually came to Canada, I was a bit nervous about running too, but but I was put at ease fairly quickly by the teachers that I shouldn't, you know, worry about the fact that my 400 meters is not under 110 or that, you know, my 800 meters is uh, not under two and a half minutes or anything like that. Cause that's, or that my 3k is not under 12 minutes. I mean, those are really, really difficult standards for a kid to get to. For a kid, for anybody to get to. That's amazing. Um, I just, I just think that's so interesting because we do talk about kids in this show a lot and whether or not like they should be specific with one sport and it should be their main focus or if you should just keep it fun. Um, and I do think there has to be some competition and some level of goals at some point, but like when is that suitable to bring it into life? And like you're saying, like when you're a young kid, it should just be out of the enjoyment because if that isn't there first as the base, the rest of it won't come after. Um, so I'm, and I'm so glad that you did find the love of running and I don't think you have kids now, do you? So this probably isn't that interesting, but it's something I think about a lot. Like how do you keep people interested in, in exercise, especially it's so important growing up. Right. So like I do not have kids, but I have a lot of friends who do actually the majority of my friends do. And, uh, and I feel like I like how they keep their kids inspired to do different activities and they just want to see what is it that the kid enjoys the most as opposed to try to force them into a specific sport or into a specific competition and that I think is much better because the kid gets to learn different things they get to learn what they like what they don't like and I think it's better than you know than try to just push kids to the point of where they're feeling like they're gonna break or anything like that. I feel like the kids need time to adjust and adapt and grow into whatever it is that they begin to enjoy. And uh, if they have good and positive memories about something that they did as a kid, so in this case, sports or running, then hopefully that that carries into their adult life. And hopefully they'll also pass that down to their own kids when they have them afterwards. That's my opinion. Yes, exactly. I 100% agree. And I think that's just so great to have people speak that way. Because I mean, I guess I've just been thinking about it a lot with COVID right now, too. And so many of the studies showing that like, if you are healthy and active, that your immune system is better. And it's like, we just need to do a collective, better job at making exercise something that everybody wants to put in their life. But anyways, could go on on a rant on that for a long time. So you get to junior high, and you decide that you're going to take on running and compete in some races. So talk us through what you competed in and how that was going for you. And if you started to kind of enjoy running as you were a little bit older. Right. So in junior high school, I wanted to have some points for extracurricular activities. And that was already in Canada. And I still had a lot of competitive spirit about me. So and that kind of never went away. And I've always wanted to compete. And that has been my thing. And uh and so I wanted to have 
you know, points for extracurricular activities, as I mentioned before. And so I got cut from the volleyball team. I got cut from the basketball team. So running was like the only thing that was left. And everybody's like, well, there is no tryouts for running. Like they'll literally take anyone as long as you're breathing and are willing to give it a try. And I said... (laughs) And I said, sure, I'll give it a try. I'm not very good. And I was kind of hesitant at first because I was like, oh, you have to run these long distances such as 4K (laughs) on the trails and up hills. But it's like, I was like, but 4K and you have to do it extremely fast. And I didn't know how to pace myself or anything like that. So I remember I did that first race it was uh, this local junior high school race that had a like grade seven eight and nine i think in that race it was a long time ago now it feels like forever oh man (laughs) it's amazing when you look back and realize how long ago high school actually was now oh right (laughs) and so i was like and so i started out really fast and I busted out of the gate. And then within 500 meters, I had to walk. And then I was like, oh, man, maybe I made a mistake for, with this running thing. Maybe I should just uh, maybe I should just stick to, like, math and science. Uh, and that way I won't have to do sports and won't have to do the exercise. Because, again, I had that side stitch. So then the coach uh, spent more time with me and the coach explained to me about you know pacing yourself and being hydrated and you know doing the proper training such as hills and speed work and drills and all the different things that go into running and so I got better so you know that first time I ever raced I was in last place and I was in last place for many races in the beginning of my cross-country and track and field running and all of a sudden you know by the time the second year came around I was placing second and third in some of the local races in my own category of people and then by the time I got to high school I was making it to provincials and I was training with an even more experienced coach who was specifically focusing on longer distance running and cross-country and he's really shown me that I was able to go faster and he went through everything. And so I've noticed I improved so significantly. And it wasn't until I started winning the local races in my own category that I started to really enjoy running as a high school kid. That's pretty amazing. I love everything that you're saying there because I think so many people listening think that they're not very good or that they can't do it or they have those experiences where they're last but if you do the things like it's been proven like you said to do some hill work to pace to stay hydrated how you really can reach your own potential and yes you were winning but I'm sure part of it just must been like knowing that you're doing the best that you can possibly do too exactly it's that but also knowing that just because I couldn't finish, you know, running 100 meters when I was in elementary school or 400 meters, it doesn't mean that I can't do it when I'm older and that maybe my approach to it was all wrong or maybe that distance was wrong for me or maybe I just didn't have the proper guidance and coaching. And then by the time I got the proper guidance and coaching, then I was, uh, then I was feeling really good and my side stitch went away, which was even more 
amazing to me where I was like, hey, my body doesn't hurt if I go over 500 meters and it doesn't hurt if I go over 3K. How much of that do you think was just the mental side of believing that you can go farther? I think it's probably both the combination of the mental and also probably the reassurance from my coach that if I do all these things, then this is what's going to happen. And here's how the body will respond to the training. And knowing that, I was like, okay, so I'm just going to start slower, keep the pace, keep a pace that, you know, keeps me within the aerobic phase longer as opposed to going anaerobic within uh, the first 500 meters and we've just, all done that though <laughs> sorry we've all done that made that mistake though i feel oh absolutely we have of course because we get all excited it's a race and we want to get a head start because we think that it's going to you know help us bank some time for the end if we you know run the first half really fast and the second half is going to be you know it's going to be a little bit easier, but it's actually harder. But if we run the first half slower, then we have a chance to negative split. Sounds so easy to do, but I <laughs> never done it in my life, but I'm very <laughs> impressed for people that can. So you start to have some success and it looks like you got an injury after high school. What actually happened to you there? Right. So I ran in bad shoes after high school, like right after high school. So I got all excited, right? And I was running longer consistently. So I thought, oh, if I keep this up, I'm going to make the university running team. So I wanted to do like a 15K, but I did 15K in really bad shoes, which I should not have worn for that distance. And what happened was I really strained the arches in my feet. And so that gave me plantar fasciitis. But I also had other issues from lack of stretching and things like that that were going on. So basically, it kind of traveled, that pain kind of traveled up towards my knee because I was favoriting my foot a certain way. And then it was kind of my hip was hurting and then my back was hurting and then my upper body was hurting. So it was like back to everything hurting when I was in my first year of university. So it was like, there is no way I could try out. So I just set out for that whole first year and just kind of sat at my desk probably way too much stressed out about schoolwork way too much um ate too many things that i probably should not have ate yeah <laughs> or at least many things you know <laughs> different things and it's okay to eat you know the things that they say we're not supposed to eat but we just have to eat those in moderation and I think that, you know, in my first year of university, I kind of forgot what moderation was. So it was like daily ice cream, daily Starbucks frappuccinos, you know, burgers and pop and energy drinks and all those things that I probably should have not had as much of. And chips, I loved chips and I still do and I still eat them now, but I know when to stuff so it's like all about balance and I think that you know when you go from performing at a high level to not performing at all and not even exercising at all you just kind of start to eat and eat and eat and so I was just eating not enough of the healthy things and a lot of the unhealthy things and that didn't really help me at all and it wasn't until I started to really study more about nutrition and 
rehab and strength training to improve your muscle balance around all the different joints and trying to gradually get back into the physical activity while maintaining a balanced diet that I started to get back into the running shape again. Yeah, it's amazing too, because I think when you're young, you're just kind of always living off of like feeling naturally good. And then you hit university and you start to realize that like energy drinks give you this rush and then this big crash and like a Starbucks Frappuccino. I remember the first time I learned that that was like half a day's worth of calories if you're not doing a lot. And I was like, oh my God, this is not the kind of healthy calorie dense foods that I'm looking for. So that's, I guess, how the freshman 15 originated. Yes, I think so. But like you said, you kind of have to, like, I think you have to experience that too to appreciate that, like, eating healthy foods doesn't have to be like a diet culture thing, but it's what makes you feel good and it allows your body to do the sports that you love to do. So exactly. You should never limit your food intake for the sake of looking a certain way. You just have to, you just have to make sure that, you know, that your food intake is such that you feel good and whether you're 160 pounds or 110 pounds or 200 pounds, if you feel good and if you feel healthy, then that's totally okay. Yes, absolutely. And I love that running can help people kind of appreciate what their body can do and not just the size. And it's definitely something that I think a lot of people deal with. But like you said, it's just kind of over time you start to to learn and, and hopefully have a better relationship with your body. So it sounds like you were kind of I don't want to say spiraling, but maybe not on the the super great path that you want to be on. And then you decided that you would start running again and you, by the looks of it, improved so fast. So talk us through your kind of comeback into how it was starting to run again. And you said you weren't able to like even run a block and then getting into breaking 44 minutes in the 10K, which is super fast. So that was kind of interesting, right? Because I guess muscle memory is actually a thing. And, uh, and I think that that was part of why I was able to improve so fast is because my body remembered stuff from high school. But uh, so in the first year of university there, when I was struggling, you know, with the stress of, um, of all the academic stuff that I was dealing with, and that I had to do. And, uh, you know, my body was not feeling that good because I wasn't fueling it properly and I was doing too many all-nighters and just uh, so I actually went to the doctor in my first year of university because I was feeling really concerned about the fact that I was not feeling good I constantly had low energy I gained a few pounds and I just but it wasn't but I was just like not feeling good like I was getting winded from like simple things like running for the bus and I'd get winded so it was kind of like okay something needs to change here and I'm gonna figure out what it is so then the doctor takes my blood pressure and it was like and basically the way that it felt was that I was you know 20 going on 50 crazy and it was just or even 60 because like that's how I was feeling inside yeah and doctor's like yeah your um your blood pressure is very high for someone who is you know 20 at the time so it's like okay that needs to change and I was getting like frequent nosebleeds and I always felt like I was gonna get sick 
So it's so I definitely needed to change that. And the first thing I did was I signed up to study as a personal trainer as well, in addition to my degree that I was doing in university, because I wanted to do it for my own sake. I wanted to uh, I wanted to learn about the body and what exercises I can do that would help me feel better. And so that's kind of how that started. And so in the beginning, my running was quite short. So I'd run, you know, one block and then I'd record that. And then I'd go back after a couple of days and try to go a little bit longer and then see how I felt. But most of the time, though, I spent on the elliptical trainer just to try to get the cardio up. And I picked up a side job at the gym where I was cleaning the equipment. But in exchange for that, I also had a gym membership as well. So I was able to use the equipment in there. And it was great because uh, because I learned a lot about how to lift weights properly. And I was able to strengthen my legs. And I got myself to the point where I was on the elliptical quite for 45 minutes to an hour. And it was good because I, sometimes I just take my books with me and study while I'm on the elliptical. And so that whole process, you know, I know a lot of people will say it's quick, but that whole process of getting to the point where I could barely run a block to running a 10K in about an hour and a half, that took, I want to say, anywhere between nine months to a year in total. So it wasn't that short of a time, especially for, you know, someone who hasn't been around long enough at the time, you know, a year feels like forever. Yeah, that actually is like it's it's fast in the grand scheme of things, but it also sounds like you did all the right things, like built up so safely and kind of learning about things as you went. And that was going to be part of my next question, too, is um, then in your bio, it talks about like your first marathon time being 328, which is a lot of people's like dream time. Um, and now your 10K is under 41 minutes and your best half marathon is 128, which are like fabulous road times. So you must have been learning so much about how the body works and how fuel works to get to those times. So what did your training look like to get um, that kind of an improvement or did you hire a coach, <laughs> I guess? <laughs> I was my own coach <laughs> and uh, but I did do some extra coaching certifications as well to try to learn it because uh, if I were to hire a coach, I would want to hire someone who would have had much more knowledge than I could get. And so, and so I was always, but I also couldn't afford a coach. So it was basically, you know, I was a broke university student. I had to help myself. <laughs> Right. Yes. So that, fair. Actually, that makes sense. <laughs> so that kind of how it all started. So like the first time I attempted a 10K on my own, it took me an hour and a half, which uh, which, you know, is average for, you know, a first time 10K attempt after being off for so long, I think. And then after a short time that I was under an hour. So then when I signed up for the local race, which is the TC 10K, and I'm not sure if it was 2011 or 2012, it was one of the two. Now all the years seem to kind of like blur together. Yeah, I know, <laughs> tell me about it. And, uh, and, I, and I put 50 as my predicted finish time. 
And that was the year that I ran uh, 43.35 wow. for my first like actual road race where I actually had other people to run with. And I remember thinking, okay, this has got to be a fluke. Like something's not right. So a couple of weeks later, I signed up for the Navy 10K, which was a different course that had a different elevation profile. And then I got like a 43.41 or something like that. So it was like pretty much the same time. So I thought, okay, this is not a fluke. I'm going to sign up for a marathon. I'm going to skip the whole half thing. And I'm going to sign up for a marathon because there are still six months and I'm already at 10K. So theoretically, you could go from 10K to a full marathon in six months if you're already running a 10K. So all I needed to do at the time was run about four or five days a week, strength train three times a week, focusing mostly on glute strength as well as uh, quad strength and hamstring as well as ankle strength and core the core is very important because it's because that's what keeps your body stable as you're running it keeps you wanted to focus on that aspect of it and to try to avoid injuries again because i'd spent all that time coming back so i really didn't want to mess this up again and be back to where i started so that was my whole motivator for doing all the core that I needed to do and so I had a long run once a week and that was usually on Saturdays where I would increase the distance by 2k every week and I'd practice my fueling during the long run so I would see you know if I should take liquids and typically I tried to make it with just liquids because I was running around like a five-minute kilometer or 5.05, and I would do that training on the trail around the Elk and Beaver Lake. And it was a loop. So it was a 10K loop, and that made it very easy for me because I thought if I'm really not feeling well, I could always just, uh, when I come around the next corner, I could always just stop right there. And that never happened. I never had to do that. And it seems to me that even though I was increasing the distance, my time and pace did not slow down. And then in the middle of the week, I did a very slow run. That's kind of medium distance. So that would be a recovery run. And then I had some hills and a little bit of speed work on the treadmill. So I did a lot of my speed work on the treadmill at the time. And I also had a couple of days. Sometimes if I wanted to replace my easy run with something else, I would do elliptical or something like that or the rower. So that was kind of what my training was. And I didn't really expect to run a 328 on my first attempt. I was just doing what felt was the right thing to do for my body. And I was eating the right things as well and drinking the right things. And that's what I believe helped me get through that training. It's so interesting because it sounds like how to train is just so intuitive for you, but there must've been somewhere where you had to get information from. Were you just researching articles or runners or especially like this would have been almost 10 years ago, right? There wasn't quite as, it wasn't quite as easy to get info. Were you reading books or how were you learning how to do this? 
So there was a couple of books that I've read and they're all to do with, uh, with running and they were written by some running coaches because, you know, that was what I could afford as far as coaching goes at the time, you know, a $50 book or a $30 book. So there is, uh, and then later on I took the, uh, Lydiard run coaching certification, which kind of basically built upon many of the things that I was already naturally doing with regards to gradually increasing the pace. Cause I do remember my coach from high school saying that if you're going to start to move up in distance, then here's what you got to do. So he did give me quite a bit of guidance that way. And I just remembered a lot of it from high school, but then adopted it to how my body was responding to it week by week. That is so cool because that is something that like like I started to geek out on that sort of thing when I was really young. Like I can remember we had to have a journal. I was a hockey player primarily. We had to keep a really extensive journal when it started to get serious and noticing there was like a link between what I had for breakfast and then like how many goals I would score that game. Um, And that was back when I was like 11 or 12 or something, right? But when you start to learn that and what it takes to perform at your best, like it's a whole other side of running that I think is so intriguing and it's amazing that you were just kind of putting these things together um, by yourself. So you must have started then after you run a 328 to realize that like you're also just have some natural ability to be a really fast runner. Did you set your goals on any or set your sights on any big goals at that time or did it start to look different from something that you were just kind of trying to do to run a marathon and to maybe doing more with it? Yeah, so then I thought, okay, I maybe have a chance at a sub three if I don't re-injure myself. <laughs> oh man, so and I still think that I have a chance at sub three because I totally think you I, can. That's like the dream goal. I think you can for sure. Yeah, so then I also thought that okay, so I've run a 328 marathon and I thought I should be able to run a sub 130 half marathon if it's on a road not trail and so I thought okay if I just train for the half if I up the tempo runs a bit and do the tempo on the treadmill to work on the foot turnover to work on the cadence then I should be able to theoretically do a sub 130 half and so what I did with that is I also would increase the incline on the treadmill to one or two and that would simulate more of the road conditions but I also knew that I could quit at any time if the pace became too unbearable and that kind of gave me the peace of mind to try harder and to really run harder because I knew that if I just didn't feel good for whatever reason I could always just quit right there and not just kind of and it is kind of almost like a security blanket or a safety blanket whereas if I was doing out and backs on the trails or something like that then I knew that I probably would struggle and I'd have to slow down to try to pace myself to make sure that I finish the run and actually get home (laughs) that is awesome I love your mindset so much on this so how were you, how was your plantar fasciitis and your injuries and anything like that? Did, were you finding that anything was coming back or with the glute and the core strength, were you able to keep most of your injuries at bay? 
I was able to keep most of my injuries at bay, actually. And then the most recent injury that I had, which was in in 2016, where I was off for, well, off of any fast stuff for almost a year, but I was still able to keep running a little bit here and there. It was strange because I know it's it's almost like I don't want to say it because it's uh, it's almost like a coincidence, but it's like it's too much of a coincidence because between 2011 and 2016, I had zero injuries and there were zero signs of any injuries coming back ever. But this one was a new one and this one was a bit strange. So this one kind of stopped me right in my tracks. And uh, what this one was is I got an adjustment on my lower back done, whereas I really shouldn't have. But the person who did the adjustment convinced me that I needed it because it would prevent future issues. But then two days later, the knees kind of started to really get bothered by it because it kind of changed the cue angle of my leg. And so two days later, I couldn't walk on that leg and it was constantly giving out. I've heard stuff like this before where like, yeah, I'm just kind of dumbfounded because you feel like you need to trust your professionals, right? And it's just, it's so crazy. But I guess it comes down to like, you really do have to do your research first or be your own advocate. Exactly. So like that was kind of, and this was a physiotherapist that was trained in spinal modification. So I'm not sure if, if looking back, if I would have, you know, agreed to this, because I've talked to my current physio about this and he says, no, 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 you don't touch that. So that was in 2016. So recently, you know, my marathons have been like 335 and like 336 and 334. And then, of course, when I did like the 12 in a row, nothing hurt except for that I was, you know, running them slower. I was running them into the four hours and plus. Okay, so that's what I want to talk to you about next. And then I want to talk a bit about how you got on the trails too. But let's talk about these 12 marathons. So you did 12 marathons in 12 days for Victoria Hospitals Foundation, um, which is amazing. What made you want to do this? So I had a bunch of vacation time that... COVID, right? Yeah. And because it was COVID, the healthcare heroes needed extra appreciation and recognition, particularly because one of my really, really good friends, uh, he received uh, critical care back in 2019 and is now alive and doing extremely well because of the care that was that was received at the hospital. So I thought, hey, this is a great way to honor the healthcare heroes, to thank them for the work that they've done, to save my friends. And uh, and so I was like, and I got this extra vacation time that I needed to use. So it was like the perfect opportunity to do this. And all my races were canceled, so I had nowhere to go. And I thought, hey, I'm just going to run originally 10 marathons in 10 days. And I just wanted to see if I could do it because I heard of people doing it. So I thought, hey, why not me? And so I started. And what, so you were running them, were they all around like four to 4.30 type, four hours to four and a half type time? So this is interesting. And I know you'll probably find this really interesting too. So the first one It was the heat of the summer, and I started way too late. So the first one, I started at 9 a.m. on the first day, 
And what happened there was, uh, was I, um, so I struggled for the first, uh, for the first one. I got through the halfway point and I was already sweating and felt like I'd made a bad decision to do this. And I thought, oh man, I have to do nine more of these. And I remember even saying in the, um, in the CTV interview, when the guy interviewed me at the end of it, I said, you know, right now I'm honestly questioning my life choices and I'm not sure if I'm going to finish, but I'm going to take it one day at a time. And that, and they aired it and they played it. So then actually that, (laughs) and I wanted them to play it because I wanted to be 100% transparent that there was a big element of risk involved in doing such there was, you know, a lot of heat. And so you're dealing with heat. You have to still focus on the fueling and all the different things. So, and you have to also pace yourself knowing that you have to do one after the other, after the other, and you have to do it 10 times. And that was the whole excitement of it. So when they played it, you know, people, a lot of people were like, oh, she's not going to make it. Oh man, by day three, she's going to need a hospital. <laughs> Never mind the raising money for the hospital's foundation, but she's going to end up in a <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. And so, but I also feel like that drew more people in because after that point, CTV was checking in every yeah. couple of days. And then the radio stations were also calling me and that grew a lot of awareness of the cause. And so that is what helped, you know, a lot of people learn about what was going on. And a lot of people ended up donating and coming out to run. Sometimes I never had more than six people at a time join me for this because uh, we still obeyed the COVID rules and everything like that. And, um, but I've had, you know, one person join me for, you know, 5K of it or 10K of it, and then they would leave. Then another person would come and join me. And most of them are people that I knew from the local races that I've done. So I already knew who they were, and they just came out because they wanted to support. And there was no races to do. There was no training groups. So that was like, that was it for them. And it was like, and it was a lot of fun for all of us. And I had someone to talk to. Totally, totally. So did you start to feel better after a few of them? Like when, and was there like eight or nine must've been really hard too. So this is, you're going to find this even more interesting. So like day one, I finished and I was completely exhausted. And when my friend asked me, do you actually think you're going to finish nine more? I said, I don't know. And then I just went to bed, (laughs) but I said, I don't know. (laughs) And, uh, and so then the next day I got up, but I decided to change my starting time. And I started at 6am instead of 9am. And that seemed to have made all the difference in the world. Because uh, that second one was easier, like it felt easier and I felt better. But still, when I finished, I was still really sore everywhere and I still wasn't sure at the time how I was doing. And then by day three, I made a bit of a breakthrough where it was like, it was a little bit faster. And then day four, I slowed it down a bit. And then day five, I was feeling awesome. And then 
on day, I th- I'm not sure if it was day eight or day nine, where I reached the fundraising total of 10,000 that I was going for. And I said in the beginning that I would do extra marathon if I reached the $10,000 target before this is all over. And so then the 10th one felt great as well. And they all did after five, they, I didn't have any trouble. And so day 12 was actually my fastest of the entire 12. So like my first one took me five hours and 11 on day one, and I struggled all the way through it for most of it. But then on the last day, day 12, I had a nurse that was running with me. Her previous personal best, I think she said was, uh, was around five hours or just under. And I said, oh, we're going to beat 430. We're going to be like closer to 420. And so, yes, we ran a 420 exactly. (laughs) Oh my God, that is bizarre. And so basically, I progressively got faster every few days during this whole thing. And the recovery time was almost non-existent after the 12th one. Wow. But after the one, I thought that I wasn't going to recover at all. Did you have, did any part of you want to keep going and just see how many you could do? Yes. And, but then I thought, oh, what if my body says no? <laughs> what if, you know, what if, you know, I, so I wanted to actually like finish it at the time with, uh, with like on a good note, yeah, you know? Yeah. Okay. I've done 12, we've raised $36,000. Holy. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was great because it was the media that got involved and that's how we ended up raising that much money. If it wasn't for them, I don't think it would have gone anywhere. Yeah, that's so cool. So you're right, it totally was almost a blessing in disguise that that first day was such a struggle. And I wonder if too, mentally, just knowing that you had to do another 12, it just makes it so much worse. I think it probably had a lot to do with the fact that, you know, on the last day you're like, Hey, I can relax a bit. This is the last one. I can, I can pick it up a bit. And, uh, but the first one, you know, it was like, Oh man, I'm just starting. (laughs) I do even wilder plan for next month, but, uh, but I'm not sure if I can talk about it just yet. (laughs) Oh, we don't get to know. What do you, can you get a hint? Um, I'm going to call it Marathon May. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, geez. Sounds like we might be going for 30. Have you heard about Alyssa who did 96? Yes, I have. And I have no aspirations. <laughs> I thought you might be going for the record. I thought that's maybe what that was. But 100 doesn't sound fun to you? 100 sounds like too much yeah but you just but you know if you're feeling great because i mean it seems to me like because i looked at her times too when she was sharing what she was getting and it seems to me that she was also fairly consistent in the four hour to four thirty. she was actually doing them hers a lot faster than i was doing mine because that was my first attempt at consecutive ones and she was already in I believe she was already an ultra marathon runner who has done a lot of trails as well. Yeah. So it's just different, just the tired fatigue kind of trucking along. Exactly. So for her, I think that, you know, 
I don't want to say it was easier, but I feel like, you know, she was able to push it a bit harder than me because, uh, because she had a lot more in the leg bank, so to speak, whereas I didn't really. But now you do. So now May will be awesome. <laughs> we hope so. But I mean, still, you know, I rolled an ankle just this past November. That was totally by accident. Yeah. Story of the trails, though, I feel. Were you in the trails? No, I oh. was on a track. <laughs> I didn't roll an ankle on the trails at all. Actually, it was the trails that helped me do better with the road races because the trails, the uneven terrain helps with all the muscle balance that I'm trying to work on using things like balance boards and things like that. But the trails, they provide a natural opportunity for you to do that while still running. Yes, totally. So you've also, we're running out of time, but I do want to talk a bit about the fact that you have done 24 hour um, trail race twice, and then you did a six day race. So tell us a bit about what those were. Yeah. So the 24 hour trail races, that was up uh, just slightly, slightly north of uh, Victoria here. So it was kind of, it was local. It was running around a lake. And there were hills too, so it was a real trail race and routes. But what I liked about that particular 24-hour race is that the loop was 3.3K, so I knew that I was never, even if I had to walk, that I was never more than uh, 45 minutes away from the aid station, which is why I signed up for that as a good 24-hour run. Totally, yeah. On the trail. It was called the Cedar Ultra, if you've ever heard of it. I or have, have, yeah. And and it was great. I loved the way that it was set up. They had great food for all of us. Yeah. And trail the environment beautiful. Trail events definitely do better with the food than the road marathons, that's for sure. Absolutely. I've noticed that too quite a bit. <laughs> so how far did you get? So I think that on my first time, I got uh, around 130K. And then on my second time, I got around 122. I think that the first time I got more because I didn't know what I was in for. So I just went for it. And I, as some people say, you went balls to the wall. And that's <laughs> kind of what I did there. So my question then, like, you obviously, this theme keeps coming up for me anyways, when I'm listening is that you have an ability to suffer even when you're way beyond anything you've done before. Like your first really long ultra to be 130K and then to do a six day race is totally crazy. So what do you say to yourself when you're in the time in the race where you're like, I've been running for 19 hours, I've got another five hours to go and I wanna run like this much farther. Like how do you continue to keep going? Right, so the Cedar Ultra, so me and my friend Jerry Hughes, we did that one for Help Fill a Dream Foundation. And Help Fill a Dream Foundation, they help critically ill children who are, you know, constantly in pain and who may not make it to their next birthday, right? So I'm running, and I consider that to be a privilege for me to be running and to feel healthy enough and blessed enough to be able to take part in these events. So for me, you know, 
the first 12 hours of that uh, of that ultra i was feeling awesome and i was actually on pace to get 100 miles and i thought that that was going to happen and then slowly i progressively got slower because i got blisters all over my feet and that kind of what stopped me from getting that 100 mile mark that first time but then when I got to 16 hours, it was like everything was sore and I was starting to get tired, but I was still feeling coherent. But man, the blisters hurt so bad because I had a blister on every toe and I had a blood blister on my heel, actually probably both heels. And my feet just felt like there were nails being hammered into them. And it's also because I, that was my first time on the trail and I wasn't used to that terrain for that long. I mean, running trails for 20K or 30K is one thing, but running trails for 24 hours, that's a whole different kind of ball game. And, uh, but I also thought too, yes, I'm suffering, but my suffering is temporary and I'm doing this for the kids that are going to be benefiting from the fundraising that we've started the page for. So I thought that, you know, I have to keep going because I can't quit on those kids. Aw, that is so good. There's so many things that are like, people, well, Tori, one of my co-hosts for some episodes, says that all the time. Like, this is our celebration. So like you said, just so grateful that we have the ability to keep running and like, you can't be mad about that. You can only be stoked. And then to just keep pushing through, that's so cool. Um, and then what you said too about your blisters and your feet is like a huge part of like, I coach athletes and a, a huge part of it is just getting your feet ready because you're gonna get wet and you're gonna be running for that long. And like, if you haven't prepared the shorts that you're gonna wear and know what happens to your skin after 20 hours or built up calluses, like you said, that's what will bring you down. So. Sounds like it was a great learning experience, but also just um, a testament to how mentally tough you are. So um, it's pretty cool and congrats on that. Do you want to do another like a hundred mile trail race in your future? Potentially, I mean, I'm not saying no, but I'm also <laughs> saying yes. <laughs> that is totally fair. You don't absolutely don't you know. have to commit. Exactly, we never commit, but you never know. I mean, with the six day too, that was on a track. And actually like I was on pace to get, you know, upwards of 600K in six days, except that I rolled my ankle on day two and then I kept running on it. So I got 420 kilometers that Jesus running and walking, right? So it was kind of like a combination of both towards the end, but like, and that one was in November. It was oh also Help Fill a Dream Foundation. And I stayed in a tent in the middle of November. <laughs> For six days. Oh, my God. The first time you had a hot shower after that must have been so nice. Oh, yes. It was great. And actually, like, and Brittany and I had uh, some food, too, you know, like after we finished that, because she did the 24 hour version of that same one where she got over 100 miles. Yeah, it's crazy. She's so crazy. Oh, yes. And that was great. Like I was super happy to see her get there because she has also done another race before where she fell just short of that. And so this time for her to emerge victorious that was so wonderful for me to see and 
I mean, she was also, you know, hurting towards the end yeah. of it. Well, you guys are definitely destined to be friends. You're both so nice and you're both such amazing runners. I love your story right from the beginning um, to the things you've accomplished. And I'm really excited to see what you do in May and then what you do for the rest of the summer. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time. You are 100% one of our most motivating guests. I can say that outright. And I've had 140 interviews. So I'm so glad that you came on the show. If people want to find more of you, you have a really great Instagram and a load of followers over there. So where can they find more of you? Oh, they can also check out my website. I sometimes, you know, share my running adventures or some running tips on my website. And it's uh, it's called www.yanahempler.com. It's also in my links on my bio on Instagram as well. Okay, awesome. Instagram too. That's uh, I share a lot of stuff there. That's probably my go-to place for sharing all things running. Yes, I, I've been loving your Instagram. I've been going through it before our interview, and there's lots of motivational stuff and lots of just great tips and and everything like that and it's fun to follow your journey so i will link to all of those things in the show notes so if they want to go check you out um all the links will be there well yeah are you going to be posting kind of as you go throughout may on instagram that is definitely the plan that's always the plan because i'm also you know not taking time off work in may so this is going to be like Marathon May to beat all Marathon Mays. <laughs> awesome. Well, this episode's going to come out in May too, so I'll definitely do a little bit of an update um, so our listeners will know more when this comes out. So very exciting. Well, thank you again, and yeah, have a fabulous evening. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun, and I hope that you can come on my uh, live Instagram interview. Oh, that would be so fun. Yes, absolutely.